This week's guest is Ben Kingstone, who joins us from Toronto, Ontario. Ben is a hospitality professional with a passion for creating exceptional guest experiences. In Ben's current role, he is the beverage manager for Harlow Entertainment, a Toronto-based private equity firm with over a quarter billion dollars of assets under management. Ben has curated and managed beverage programs for a range of venues, including a 400-room hotel and some of Canada's top restaurants and bars. Ben was a finalist for Diageo World Class Canada in 2023 and has also been nominated for Forbes Top 30 Under 30. Ben is also set to release a bar book later this year. Ben's got a lot of drive and determination and we really enjoyed our conversation with him and so will you. Make sure you check out Ben on Instagram at King Coctions and the link is in the show notes as well. Enjoy the show. Okay, we're back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. My name's Kip. This is Dan. I'm guessing you're pretty awesome. That is correct. I am yeah. still awesome. <laughs> That's good. And yourself, how things going with you? Things are good. <laughs> I, we fucking uh, well, you've heard a few stories before the yeah. podcast, but yep. my life is a mess. But the <laughs> but got to be consistent, good at some. Yes, but the third bar is uh, looking good now. We nice. have a liquor license. Ooh. So that's Sweet. exciting. I we might dispute that if I can. Yeah, so. it's too late. Too late. You oh, should have got it in earlier. Uh, damn <laughs> it. So now I just have to deal with the city of Cambridge and we'll see how that goes. But Perfect. so look oh, out for the Argyle Arms opening, hopefully in the first couple of weeks of May. That's um, nice. Preston uh, area of Cambridge, 210 King Street East. So get ready for the grand opening there. And you can follow Argyle Arms 2023 on Instagram to see what's coming up there oh cool yeah uh and if you're in kitchener obviously you want to check out sugar run speakeasy downtown kitchener at sugar run bar on instagram check out all the good stuff we have going on there uptown it's babylon sisters wine and cocktail lounge in uptown waterloo uh, at babylon sisters bar on instagram as well to find out what's shaking in the waterloo region so check out all those places this is uh, unpaid advertising. It's the best bigness. <laughs> if you're a fan of the show, the best thing the way you can help us out here is to subscribe, rate, and review. Leave a little five star review for us if you think we've earned it. And a comment is great. All that stuff helps with the algorithms. Neither of us understand how they work, but right. we will plead for your reviews. Yes. If you want to be on the show, you can DM us at the industry podcast on. Instagram, or you can email us info at the industry club. That's a great spot to hit us up for if you're interested in sponsoring the show as well. What else? So it's Zach Hanna. Zach Hanna at zachhanna.co does all the artwork for our Instagram page. We're always grateful to all the great work he does for us. And you should check him out for any of your graphic arts needs. Mm-hmm. And this is episode 151. So we're on our way to 151 through 100. Yeah. yeah. 151 <laughs> proof. I'm drinking. Yeah. Check out the archives as well. We've had a lot of really good interviews lately. Uh, Dan, do you remember what they were? <laughs> that memory is like a dry erase board that gets yeah. wiped every two hours. Well, uh, yeah, last week was uh, Sydney Kendall. Prior to that, we had Ugo Gamino. Yeah, that one was a really good one yeah, from terrific. Phoenix. Yes, we had Kate Bushel. That was Rob Wig, And then Janai Angel. And a bunch of good ones. Yeah. So check out all uh, check out the archives. Oh, well, of course, all. Ron McKinley, episode Ron 145 McKinley, yes. of Canoe. That one was great. Great interview there. So deep dig deep into the archives. Check out all those episodes. And uh well, keep listening to this one if we didn't bore you to death yet. This is Ooh, uh, uh, there'll be some heavy <laughs> editing before this goes there. <laughs> uh we have Ben Kingston with us right now. 
from Toronto, Ontario, uh, very close to us. Ben, how are you? I'm great. How are you guys doing? We're great. Thanks for doing the show. Yeah, thanks very much, man. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Yeah. So let's let's get started talking about like, I mean, your resume is very impressive. So I don't normally know where to jump in on that. Also, what do you like? How old are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 27. Jesus Christ. Like, honestly, fuck off. (laughs) (laughs) Very accomplished for a man of your age. Yeah, congratulations. congratulations Very much. What is your job at this moment? Like, I know you've got a bunch of projects coming up, but like, what would you say is your main gig? My job right now, I'm the beverage manager for Harlow Entertainment. So Harlow Entertainment, we're a private equity company. Mm -hmm. Um, So we invest in you know lots of different you know projects uh, I work for the entertainment sector uh, but there's lots of other sectors that are more traditional to private equity so we invest in other people's projects but as well have a operating portfolio of our own so I'm the beverage manager for the operating portfolio so my key venues of interest in Toronto would be um, roses and Valerie both at Hotel X Casamoto in Yorkville and uh, my uh, my baby project in the portfolios Park Avenue. It's our uh, we have a 25 seat high end high touch cocktail bar and adjacent to that in the next room is about a 120 seat lounge and luxury nightlife experience. Oh, cool! Ooh, wow. And what's what's the location on that one? Davenport and Avenue Road. So it's directly above uh, Mimi Chinese, which is another one of our projects as well. Uh, Mimi and Sunny's. So Mimi is definitely one of my favorite restaurants in the city. Unbiased opinion on that one as well. <laughs> but um, yeah, so they're a fantastic high-end, you know, Chinese restaurant. Um, so they're very well known in Toronto, and we slotted our lovely park at right above, right above that Davenport and Avenue Road. And how many like? So those are the ones uh, like in the entertainment area. That those are the like that, those are the, your responsibilities, these bars and restaurants. Like how, like how many other projects does the whole equity company have going? Like tons? Uh, tons. Yeah. Let me, I'll, I'll pull it up right now okay. because there's, there's a lot of different things. Like for example, we own Spinco. Oh, okay. Uh, the nice. Spin Studio. We own that. There are some corporate locations as well as some franchise locations. You know, we're heavily invested into Soto Sake, Ace Hill, Barrow, Cabana Pool Bar, Casamoto, obviously. So that's one of ours. Like Midday Squares, you might see that in the grocery store as well. Those little snacks. Mm. Uh, New City Gas in Montreal. Uh, Nobu, Pittsburgh Penguins, Planta. Jesus. Um, <laughs> yeah, and Soto Sake. And the newest one that we're all very, very excited about is Shake Shack. Um, oh yeah, that's big. so. That's big in the U.S. You right? guys, the ones bringing that to Canada? Yeah, we're bringing that to Canada. So that's uh, something super exciting. That's been really tough to be tight, tight-lipped on, but the uh, the news was broke uh, a few weeks ago, and we're partnering with a couple of really you know important people in uh, the Canadian wow. scene to bring that to Canada. So that was uh, that was a long time. I'm a big fan of Sotusaki. They, I think they're rep by Halpern now because that's mm-hmm. uh, we always see them at the Halpern Grand Cru um, uh, portfolio yeah. tasting. It was just the best one in Toronto. <laughs> okay, so let's talk about how you got to the place that you are. Like, how did you first break into the service industry, and how did you end up with this gig? So I first broke into the service industry as a barback on King West, the entertainment district downtown here. And I was in university at the time. And you know, what did you go to school for? 
So I went to school for photography and videography at oh, Ryerson. Cool. After my second year, I think it was my the start of my third year, I believe, I got quite sick and I was diagnosed and misdiagnosed, let me preface this, with oh. pancreatic cancer. Holy fuck. <laughs> That's a bad yeah. misdiagnosis. Well, it's, it's a worse diagnosis, I guess, but it's yeah. a pretty bad misdiagnosis too. <laughs> so I, I woke up one morning and I was completely yellow and jaundiced and checked myself into the hospital. Wow. And the initial diagnosis was pancreatic cancer. I said I had a tumor on my pancreas pushing on my liver. I'm like, okay, great. Obviously, you know, feeling like I'm probably going to die. Yeah. Uh, one of the biggest things that I regret in my life. And I really didn't like what I was doing at school. Didn't see, you know, a huge future in it. And I just started bar backing at a place called Belfast Love. Uh, very, very busy Irish pub downtown. And I really had kind of fallen in love with that. And this kind of really something clicked. And I'm like, okay, so like, if I was to die tomorrow, what are the things that I would regret? I really wanted a job that I loved, which at this point was like just starting my bar backing and really loved the idea of being that, you know, cool King Street bartender in their 20s. Right. Um, <laughs> I, uh, I wanted dogs and I wanted to cover my body in tattoos right. because that's, you know, things that I loved at the time. Yeah. So after that, the, uh, the actual liver doctor got back from vacation and changed the diagnosis. I was still in liver failure, but it was caused by my workout supplements and the high amount of green tea extract that were in them. Oh, really? Yeah. So it turns out I'm allergic to green tea extract and my liver couldn't process that plus the normal amount of alcohol that a college student drinks. Yeah, sure. Um, (laughs) So I was still in the hospital for just shy of a month, I believe. And uh, I got out, everything's fine now, you know, but definitely something I just have to be conscious about. So every time I look at a different supplement, I'm always like, okay, like, is there green tea extract in this? And there's a million things hidden in all of those supplements, but I try to stay away from them now. But yeah, it definitely kind of like shocked the system of like, so what am I going to do with my life that's going to make me happy? And I just absolutely fell in love with bartending eventually throughout my time working there, working, you know, as a bar manager, eventually working my way up through the ranks uh, over the course of like a two and a half year period, two-ish year period prior to COVID. Fell in love with the cocktail world. I just was absolutely loved, you know, like reading all the books, like Liquid Intelligence, Death and Co. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I my favorite one actually is probably Schofield's uh, mm-hmm. Modern and Classics, Modern and Classics Cocktail Bible whatever it's called. I just fell in love with it. And my, uh, my boss at the time was Chris Anderson. And he, you know, had a very similar passion and love for me and really kind of like love for cocktails and kind of just pushed me to, you know, expand my horizons and grow and learn more. And uh, eventually moved on from there, you know, in one of those weird pandemic summer things. And I worked for the butcher chef, which is probably, I would say the most expensive restaurants in the country. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) It's pretty ridiculous. So it's a very small restaurant, uh, probably about 55 seats. You know, they spent millions of dollars making this 55 seat restaurant. The bar was made out of tiger's eye. The end cap on it was solid Canadian brass. Like, insane the amount of money and design that went into this place but everything there was classic like fine dining french service so you know you're you're putting steaks on people's plates like leanest to richest with a spoon and fork kind of thing not even tongs 
you're serving out people's sides to them, you know? So I, uh, I eventually became the beverage director for that group of restaurants. So there was uh, two other steakhouses, Michael's on Simcoe, which is no longer open and Oliver's in Oakville, which is a, uh, very, you know, old school, been around forever establishment. So that was kind of my first foray into like multi-venue management, training bar staff, stuff like that. And eventually, you know, something like that wears on you after a time, you know, getting into the restaurant at one, two o'clock in the afternoon, making sure everything is absolutely dialed in and perfect. And there's never any dust or anything, repolishing glasses, polishing glasses again, you know, watering the plants, stuff like everything that needs to get done to make that venue look as pristine as it is when people are coming in there spending five, six, seven, eight hundred dollars per person um, on their dinner. Yeah, I think our tasting menu was about $450 before you added the Wagyu. Oh, wow. Um, <laughs> yeah, include, so it's... that include wine as well? With the, you know? No, it did not. There was wine on top of that. Yeah, Jesus. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was pretty intense and very, you know, it was a very demanding environment. You know, it was, uh, you know, not only did I have to make all these cocktails by myself because it was a, a one-man show behind that bar, but I also had to run multi-course tasting menu service at the bar. Uh, you know, I would have to run back to the kitchen, get the plates, make sure I had the hands, you know, you never, you never came back to a guest seat and cleared, you know, came in for a second clear. You grabbed people, everybody cleared everything all at once. Someone came in, wiped the table. Everything that was dropped was dropped at the same time, done it the same way. That's uh, sick old like, school service though. That's yeah. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, uh, I definitely, I think I learned wealth of knowledge from so many influential people on actual steps of service there. And after that wears on you for a while, I'm like, Hey, I'm not really expanding my cocktail knowledge and like things that I really love. I, uh, I reached out to Massimo at mother and was like, Hey, are you looking for hands? You know, I'm kind of, I'm burnt out. You know, the money's great, but like I'm burnt out. I need to do something and I need to keep growing. I think I was like maybe 20, 24 at this time. And then, so I joined Massey, you know, over at Mother, started as a, as a bartender. And eventually, you know, they realized that, you know, they really needed the assets that I had coming from a corporate background, but also the service aspects of it. And uh, I became the director of operations for Mother Cocktail Bar, which was really it's such an incredible experience, such an amazing team uh, of people and such talent bet- between you know Massey and James Park and you know my one of my best friends now Mike you know we just we had a really big team and we were family and we you know with the organizational skills and corporate elements that I was able to you know fuse into this artistic atmosphere um you know we made a fantastic team and you know mother is probably one of the most successful cocktail bars in the city now mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. This is kind of a weird thing to ask you, but like, would you look back at like that whole experience in the hospital as like almost a positive experience now? Like, I know obviously at the time it was awful, but like, think about like how that turned your life around, thinking about what you wanted to do with your life and where you've found yourself now. 
Yeah, no, totally. It's, I, I tell people whenever I tell this story, it's, it's the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm. Um, because it really changed my entire perspective on how I look at life. And okay. I just want to just interrupt. I, I think maybe yeah. the best thing that ever happened to you was that it was a misdiagnosis. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Definitely the misdiagnosis is the best part. But right. But, but point taken. And like, that's kind of what I was trying to get at. Like, it does seem like it really did. Like, most of us don't have that experience, like a near death experience or thinking that you're near death and being mm-hmm. that ill and then like literally having the time and what's essentially a second chance to reboot your where you're going in life. And especially at such a young age. So absolutely. Look, I'm it has changed. It's made me where I am today. That, that right. experience. I don't know what life would have looked like had I not had that experience. And I'm really grateful it was a misdiagnosis, yeah. but you know, a little bit of a shock to the system in your early 20s doesn't hurt, I guess. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, a crazy story, man. But that's like great that you like found the thing you love to do and like focused on it. And like you seem, you clearly are driven in what you're doing. Like you're not taking any shortcuts and like, no, it matters to you. So yeah, of course. Like I, my work week now is it's still, you know, it's still pretty crazy for the, ever since I like really dove into this, you know, I've been working, you know, 60 to 80 hour weeks for, I guess the last almost seven years at this point. Yeah. yeah. So before you became a bar back, like going through high school and stuff, did you work at any restaurants then as well? Or is it just like, no. you, really? So, no. so where'd you, that's quite the hell of a work ethic. That's impressive. Yeah, no, I, uh, I definitely, you know, I, I grew up, I had a really nice family, uh, nice Jewish family from the suburbs. So this was definitely out of left field for, uh, for most of my family. Uh, but thankfully, you know, they were very accepting and, you know, they supported me and what I wanted to do and whatever made me happy, made them happy. Um, but I definitely grew up and learned, you know, all of my skills in a very short period of time. And, you know, like, like, 19, 20, 21 age when I was working with a bunch of people that were like, you know, in their later 20s or early 30s and like bartenders that have been around for forever. And then there's this young kid that like wants to like be the best and like, you know, like just totally in love with the industry. And, you know, I really had a lot of people to to look up to and I probably rub some people the wrong way along the way. But, you know, you live and you learn. Yeah, well, I mean, there's no way to not do that going, especially in the service industry, right? Like, yeah. it, it just happens. Like, there's so many unique personalities that work in the service industry, so we can't all get along. But <laughs> you're also now working on a book. Tell us about that. Yeah, so this book's actually I've I finished it over a year ago now. Um, oh, okay. I finished it over a year ago. You know, trying to find someone to actually print the book the way that I wanted it to be printed was very difficult because I'm still trying to make it cost effective to the point where like I can actually sell this thing. You know, I've spoken to, you know, various bookshops and cocktail shops and they're all very keen to take it on. Uh, and I've actually just found a local printer in Toronto that uh, can make this happen for me at a reasonable price. I was trying to, I spent so much time trying to go overseas to Alibaba and you know, places in India trying to get it you know, printed. But by the time it got here and it would have been like, you know, all the shipping and duty and import fees, it still ended up being like 15 bucks a book, which is mm. like, it's doable. That's, you know, roughly the same price that I'm getting it printed at in Toronto, but it was just such a, 
you know, it was a risk, a huge mm-hmm. risk to like have to send these guys tons of money to get these books printed at such a high volume to then hope to get it the way that I want it because it's mm-hmm. not something that's readily here and available and ready to, uh, ready to touch and feel. But we're, uh, we're printing right now. I have samples, uh, 10 samples in the next few weeks. And it's the idea behind it is it's a uh, bartender's journal. So inside, I've worked with a graphic designer to create templates for a few different things for, you know, cocktail design that kind of follows my ideology behind how to design a cocktail and how to communicate that cocktail to someone else. There's designs for the prep for the ingredients that go inside, you know, for whether it's a salted vanilla agave syrup or, you know, some form of cordial or shrub or pickle or whatever. There's a, there's a format in there to help keep you organized and to be able to share your information and knowledge. There's a, there's one that I worked with a uh, master sommelier on to, you know, uh, like kind of like fill in the bubble to analyze the wine that you have in front of you for, you know, all the spirit education and wine education training that we do in the industry. And same thing for, for spirits as well, kind of like fill in the bubble. And then in the back pocket, I've created kind of like a, a flavor wheel to help hone in on uh, some of the flavors and characteristics of spirits and wine, uh, which fits into like a little pocket in the back and it's all printed. Mm. It's, you know, nice leather bound book. Yeah. So I, I look yeah, forward cool. to having awesome. that yeah. at some point. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. So it sounds like a lot of fucking work too. So how long did it take you to do this? It probably took me about three months um, with the what? graphic designer back and forth. <laughs> Yeah, I had a pretty clear idea of what I wanted. Going no, but the it. but the writing of it. Oh, the the writing of it. It's kind of you know it's backfilled from the last you know few years, right? I, I keep constantly making notes. And, yeah, yeah. Constantly, like for my current job, I believe between all of the venues, I've got upwards of like eighty cocktails on the go that flip seasonally. Some of them are shared between venues, but you know between that and Mother and Butcher Chef and. You know, Belfast, downtown, I, I've got, you know, hundreds and hundreds of cocktail recipes. And it's really nice to actually see how some, you know, like can get elevated throughout time. So, for example, um, at Park Ave, one of our barrel aged, our barrel aged old fashion is called the Vampire Campfire. Um, and that is a cocktail that has kind of been with me since like day one. It was like my first menu cocktail as a bar manager. And I've kind of just always elevated it and changed it. And it has seen many different iterations through uh, through time. Was there a point where you got the realization that like, oh, shit, I'm pretty good at the creativity and like the dedication that goes into like making a cocktail? Was there a point where a light bulb went off for you? Because like you said, you started as a bar back and then all of a sudden you're bartending for like most of us went through bartending that way, but there's a time where you're like, oh shit, I might be good at this. Did you, do you remember a time where that happened for you? No. Like I, at the end of the day, like I still think I, I don't like, I know I'm, I'm good at what I do, but there's always still so much more to, to be learned and more knowledge to consume. But I, there is one moment that sticks out to me where I was like, okay, like this is the missing piece of the puzzle. So or two rather. So one, when I started working at mother, the huge focus on the drinks there are about like depth of flavor and achieving that third dimension because you know it's creating a classic cocktail they're pretty much all very two-dimensional you know you've Mm -hmm. got your sour and you've got your strong or you got your sweet and stuff like that 
but really finding another way to get that third dimension, which we did at Mother through fermentation and, you know, different pickles and acids and stuff like that. And really getting into the more, you know, on the front end, it doesn't show as like molecular, but on the back end, it's, you know, we're using all the different acids, you know, malic acid, citric acid, tartaric acid, ascorbic acid, et cetera. And, you know, working with Massey and James Park really kind of like I had like a bit of a light bulb moment where I'm like, wow, okay, like this is what a really good, this is what takes a good cocktail to like a really good cocktail is getting that third dimension in there and, you know, use it, the use of cordials and syrups at the same time, you know, to be able to get the flavors that you want, but not always having the sweetness from those flavors. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Talk to us a little bit about the world class experience because, like, you were a finalist in what year? Twenty twenty. Just just passed. Yeah. Just passed twenty twenty three. Yeah. So yeah, it was okay. about a month ago. Yeah. So okay, great. This is going to be fresh in your mind then. So yeah. <laughs> so yeah, tell us about that whole experience. Being a finalist at world class <laughs> is a huge deal. So yeah. So it was uh, really my first cocktail competition as well. So again, I again, had, honestly, fuck you, Ben. <laughs> just I, I had like, I had like done, what was the cocktail competition? I, I submitted for like an online like amaretto competition, maybe like when I was like working at Belfast as a bar back. Uh, but this was like my first real like in-person cocktail competition where I had to, you know, the first round you submit a drink with all store-bought ingredients and the goal is to accentuate the you know the base spirit and to really show off you know Diageo so I had submitted a uh, a tequila martini that you know played off of all the different flavors and a margarita uh, with the orange and the lime and the saltiness and then round two was uh, a 10 minute master class with Tanqueray so we had to do a 10 minute master class to the judges um, pretending like they were at home bartenders so I put together a, when I do master classes, you know, regularly for other clients or friends or whatever, uh, we always put together a box and send it to them with all the ingredients that they needed. So I put together a drink, you know, with uh, Tanqueray and Tanqueray and either white port or Fino Sherry uh, and a citrus heart cordial and some fever tree Mediterranean tonic. So very nice, simple, refreshing but tankery number 10 was the focus of this masterclass and big focus. And what makes tankery 10 so special is the fact that it's first distilled in small batches with citrus hearts in it. So you have whole grapefruit and lime and orange in the distillation. So the citrus heart cordial took those ingredients and, you know, added a little bit of acids and sugar for balance and, you know, really brought the different top notes alive from the tankery number 10. So we had to go into the history of Tanqueray, what made it so special. You wouldn't believe the amount of research that I had to do to get this 10-minute masterclass in. And once that went through, we then got our challenges for for, uh, the finals. You know, trying to balance my crazy job and world class was uh, probably the most difficult couple of months of my life. And, you know, you get there first day, it was like a 15 hour day. Like we started at like eight o'clock in the morning, weren't done until like, I don't think I got home until midnight. So we started the day with, there was the, here, I'm going to pull up the challenge packet just so I can remember all these challenges here. So the first challenge was, so basically day one, it had us starting at eight o'clock in the morning and then dinner was eight o'clock at night. And then after the dinner, 
we had a, a pop-up at a really cool arcade bar called Greta's in Vancouver. So didn't quite end. But the first challenge was the check-in challenge, first thing in the morning. And check-in challenge uh, is a complete mystery. You don't know what it is until you get there. So they have the bartender prep room you know, all set up. And uh, I totally forgot that this was one of the challenges. And I got there and I'm like, okay, I'm going to get ready for the next challenge. We've got time to like prep for our Johnny Walker storytelling challenge and the whiskey tasting. And then they're like, no, this is the check-in challenge. This is, you know, your kettle one check-in challenge. You have 10 minutes to make a kettle one drink. And they actually had uh, Dennis Tams, who's the uh, uh, brand or can't remember what his title is. I think it's the brand manager for Kettle One Global. So he flew in from Kettle One for World Class. So we got to meet a lot of really, really awesome people. But, you know, 10 minutes, 10 bartenders, absolute madness in here. And you only have a limited amount of ingredients that are available. So we had to make a cocktail for that. And, uh, you know, 10 minutes, that's it. Done. Get out of the room. Judges come in. They judge your cocktail. You don't know who won any challenge until the very end. You don't know where your points sit at all. And then, so we went from there to our Johnny Walker storytelling challenge, where we had five minutes to tell a story of our choosing about Johnny Walker and a personal story to share with the judges. And again, they they had brought someone, they had brought the global brand ambassador for Johnny Walker in as well for this one. So got to meet a lot of really awesome people. So we had that one and then right into the blind whiskey tasting. So this was probably the toughest challenge of the entire of the entire um, week. So they didn't tell us what whiskeys were going to be on it beforehand. They didn't specify whether or not it was just the Scotch portfolio or it could be the international whiskeys or American whiskeys. So I, the reserve team in Toronto, brought you know me and my other friend that was uh, that actually ended up winning Jacob into the office, uh, the Diageo and Breakthrough office, and we tasted. You know, basically the whole portfolio of whiskey. I was not okay to go back to work after that. Yeah. Thanks for the day off. So, Walked around Queen Street, spent some money. Yeah, how many how many drinks would you have to taste for that? Like, so what the challenge ended up being? So th- they gave us a blind tasting at the Diageo office, and it ended up being they were like, "Oh, this is going to be much harder than what you get." And like me and me and Jacob got uh, four out of five whiskeys. And we're like, okay, great. Like we're we're doing That's good. good. Yeah. But they gave us a list of the six whiskeys and didn't give us any more whiskeys. And then we get there. And not only is it an expanded portfolio offering, there's like 20 something whiskeys listed cool. and only mm-hmm. six cups. Mm-hmm. Oh, great. <laughs> so I think uh, I think the winner, the winner of that challenge got two right. Oh, is that right? Oh shit. Yeah. yeah. The winner of the challenge got two right. I got one. So yeah, so that was Rowan Co. Okay, yeah, Rowan Co. Very obvious, like very obvious vanilla top note. That was like one that I was like, yes, I like smelled it. I'm like, I don't even need to try it. That's Rowan Co. Mm. Then we went into the Tanqueray Party Challenge. Have you guys seen Drink Masters? Yeah. So the cocktail party challenge on Drink Masters just the Diageo version of it. Okay. So it ended up being like over a hundred people that would come in, they would cast their votes at the end and we had to set up a station uh, and serve drinks out of it. Oh, interesting. Um, yeah. For that one, I actually did a, uh, I rented a, like a silver champagne fountain and, you know, had my dry ice in there chilling the drink, but it would also be flowing the cocktail throughout it. And uh, we had to dedicate this to one of the judges that we were assigned to. So that was cool. 
And then the Don Julio Mystery Challenge. This was my favorite one. This was actually the one that I uh, the one that I ended up winning. So we got dropped off on Granville Island and were given a hundred bucks and said, "Here, go to this open air market, buy everything that you need for a cocktail, come back, make the drink." So that was a lot of fun getting to run around Granville Island, trying to find everything and keep it under budget. And you know, you had to cost out the entire drink and you know, give your pitch as to how you would like this served in your bar. So that drink is actually on most of the menus at the venue now. What is it? So it's a sour style drink with a little bit of uh, Don Julio Blanco, Sombra Mezcal, and Pierre Ferrand Dry Curacao uh, with a gooseberry honey and mint syrup and both lemon and lime juice. Oh, that sounds delicious. So super yummy. Um, and I ended up finishing with like probably about 15 minutes left. So I was, you know, actually the last one to get back from doing my shopping and, uh, the first one done, which, which felt really good. I even yeah, had time good. to get a, <laughs> I even had time to get a, a measuring cup because there was no measuring devices given. I'm like, I got to measure on my ingredients, like yeah. my sugars and stuff like that. And then there was the kettle one closed loop media challenge. So it was a TV interview style. Uh, you had to prepare a drink and use one chosen ingredient from your community, uh, as many ways as possible. I ended up choosing corn. And I ended up using it like seven or eight times in this uh, corn milk milk punch. Oh, nice. That sounds delicious. So that was fun. And then there was the speed challenge at the end of it. And that was, you know, probably the most intense and longest week of my life. But, you know, there was lots of other really fun moments aside from it. You know, they took us to uh, Tojo's in Vancouver. The Tojo is the the man who invented the California roll. Oh, Um, nice. So we did an omakase experience with him and it was it was very, very cool. How many bartenders are in the like the finalist challenge that you were in? Ten. Ten, Ten. right. You already said that. Sorry. Yeah, that's crazy. Like that, that, what? that is a crazy lot of work. For yeah. yeah. What, I have no idea is that what much. an experience though. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was crazy. And you know, like it actually it took a lot of, you know, financial input as well. Like at oh, all of us, yeah. you know, spent a lot of money on this competition. One of the one of the other guys. Sam had a like a six foot tall ice sculpture of like a like a bear and its cubs, and he like poured his drink through it and like went down and around and came out into a glass. Jesus Christ! You gotta be like fuck this guy with his bear sculpture. <laughs> I saw it roll in. I'm like, oh, fuck! I didn't. Yeah, it's like, like right away, you're like, I'm fucked. Jesus Christ! <laughs> but also, like, I'm sure that the judges know that. Okay, well, he just spent a bunch of money on that. Like, cool idea, yeah. but yeah, like, yeah. I'm sure they take that into account a little bit, right? Yeah, I, I'm sure. You know, all, yeah. all the judges are very well respected and great yeah. people. They're they've all been where we are, and you know, once you do something like this, you have you know this little family that you can you know rely on and talk to when you want to like bounce ideas off of each other and stuff like that. Yeah, so I, I stay in touch with you know a lot of the people that I've met through this journey. Yeah, like everybody we've ever interviewed on this show who has done a competition of any type that's like sort of a more national or international one has always said the best thing about it is the people you meet and keeping those contacts. So you get that experience. Thousand right? percent. Yeah. You meet yeah. some like-minded individuals that can, you know, 
push you and challenge you and maybe show you some different techniques and different yeah. ways of doing things. It was the same with the Drink Masters show, actually. Like we've interviewed a few people who were on that show and like same, same deal. Like like I they didn't mm-hmm. obviously they didn't all get along, but like, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. <laughs> so you've given us a lot of time, so I'll let you go real soon. But I just want to touch on obviously we can't have you on and not talk about this Forbes top 30 under 30 thing. Like what the hell? Tell us about this. So it's for a hospitality specific magazine. Okay. So my director of operations, Kyle, was top 30 under 30. And he nominated me this year. And I just submitted everything for it. Hotelier magazine. Oh, okay. I know that magazine. Hotelier magazine. So it's a hospitality specific magazine. I had, he just, all he said to me was, he's like, I've nominated you for top 30 under 30. I'm like, what? Like the Forbes one? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, great. That's amazing Um, though. Yeah. So that was, that's cool. So we'll see what happens with that. I had to like put everything together at the last moment for it that had needed like updated resumes, like reference letters, stuff like that. And, you know, to put together a video. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. I submitted that last week. Well, that's amazing. Well, honestly, Ben, your career, especially for someone your age, is astounding, super impressive. We appreciate you coming on the show and telling us all about it and giving us all this time. Tell our listeners where they can follow you to see what you're up to. Uh, You can follow me at Concoctions on Instagram and feel free to swing by Park Ave, you know, Fridays and Saturdays or my days behind the bar. So I'm still working behind the bar all the time. That's great, man. Good for you, man. Uh, honestly, super impressive career. You're an impressive person. Uh, we wish you all the best. And uh, again, thanks for giving us the time tonight. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me. And uh, if I ever find myself out in uh, Cambridge, would love to uh, stop by for a drink. Yeah, I think you'll be more impressed with kids at Kitchener Waterloo bars. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Cambridge <laughs> is more of a Cambridge is more of a Scottish pub deal. So nothing. We're not reinventing the wheel there. But I think you might dig the two bars in Kitchener Waterloo. So yeah, if you're ever in our neck of the woods, hit me up. And we'll uh, have a drink. Absolutely. Yeah. All Thank right. Thanks so again, Ben. Thanks very much. Bye. Bye.